1: General Manager of LA Times Interactive goes on the record online.
2: The mistake that news organizations um, have been making, and and in, in many many cases still are, is to uh, deny that uh, d- deny that fact. And uh, I, even a great example internally um, that prompted discussion here: there were a series of fires that uh, um, were in uh, North LA County, um, and one of our one of our means of differentiation is actually to embrace local news in the local market that the LA Times, as a local and national paper, has not always uh, embraced as energetically as it could. Um, Where were people getting their news? Multiple sources. Um, This was actually a national story because um, it was essentially a fire advancing on Hollywood. Uh, So there was interest then. Um, That day, uh, the top headline on the Drudge Report was, Fire in Burbank. And on LATimes.com, the headline was, Essentially, a very general headline about fires, it wasn't the immediate uh, visceral point that everybody wanted to know. You found that on Drudge, you didn't find it on latimes.com. The answer from the editor who was monitoring this was, technically it wasn't in Burbank, so we shouldn't put it up, we don't want to have something in error, Drudge is a uh, site that has uh, different, perhaps sometimes lower or more imprecise standards. Uh, I don't think that was the right answer. The answer was that there was a conversation happening um, uh, uh, between multiple news producers and uh, and online users uh, who are getting information from multiple sources. We have to assume that people are going to get uh, uh, sources from the blogosphere, from other sites, from traditional news sites. Every single online news producer and editor uh, should be monitoring that entire conversation and understanding where we can contribute the next beat. In that case, if we are actually going to have reporters on site uh, and can offer something more credible than what was repeated in a blog, and I and and I don't think it is always necessarily that we have the more credible information, we should hit the next beat in the conversation. In that case, was it in Burbank or not? People want to know. We should essentially uh, we should essentially clear up the matter because we have a reporting staff whom we pay to be on site. And that I don't see what we do or what the blogs do as antithetical to what we do. I see it as something cooperative. There's a rumor mill, sometimes the rumor mill gets to the news first, we have to take a position in which we acknowledge what's being said, come out, and, and talk about why what we have might be, um, you know, why what we have actually is factual because we have a staff on site.
1: Hi, thanks for joining us, uh, and welcome to another edition of On the Record Online. Uh, this is the podcast that brings you the story behind the story. So, if you're comfortable with 8 to 12 second sound bites, if that's enough for you, uh, you know, stick with conventional uh, terrestrial broadcast news. But if you are interested in in in-depth one-on-one interviews with journalists from the mainstream media as well as, from time to time, discussions with influential bloggers and podcasters about how technology is changing and threatening to disrupt the business of media this is the podcast for you I'm your host Eric Schwartzman and I am a podcaster by night and a PR guy by day Uh, I'm also the founder and president of a company called iPressroom Corporation and uh, we have software uh, that helps organizations integrate the web into their marketing communications and PR initiatives Uh, I am also personally and professionally interested in how technology and the Internet are changing the way organizations communicate and the way people consume media and information. Today we have a one-on-one interview with Rob Barrett. He is the general manager of LA Times Interactive. Originally, I wanted to interview him to talk about the Wikitorial experiment, uh, but since then they have launched podcasts and they have a number of blogs, so I am excited about this interview. Uh, I have had it scheduled for over a month, so um, it is a long time coming and I'm glad we're finally going to get to talk to him. Some of the uh, upcoming uh, podcasts uh, we have scheduled for you, if you subscribe to the feed at www.ontherecordpodcast.com, you'll be able to download them as soon as they become available. uh, Is a one hour live podcast recorded at the Portable Media Expo and Podcasting Conference in Ontario, California, uh, just last week, and I also attended the California Copyright Commission's panel on podcasting and uh, Bob Lefsitz of the Lefsitz Letter uh, was on the panel as well as Anthony Bruno Uh, um, He is um, covering the digital beat over at Billboard. So it was a great panel. There were also a couple of attorneys whose uh, names escaped me, but they were also quite articulate and well-spoken on these issues. And they talked all about the challenges associated with clearing music for use in podcasts and uh, how the industry ought to adapt to be able to... um, Uh, make sure that music can be licensed and included in podcasts or not it's very interesting so those are both coming Uh, if you subscribe to the um, the feed you'll be able to get those past uh, Uh, past interviewees on the show have included John Markoff of the New York Times, David Pogue of the New York Times, Nick Wingfield of the Wall Street Journal, David Satterfield of the San Jose Mercury News, Chris Marlow of the Hollywood Reporter, Chris Null of Mobile Magazine, Chris Taylor of Time Magazine, Brad Stone of Newsweek Magazine, Elizabeth Weese of USA Today, um... Richard Johnson of the New York Post, and many others. So they're all um, interesting interviews. Oh, we also talked to Leo Laporte of This Week in Tech and Ron Bloom of Podshow.com. There really are some great uh, podcasts for you to to listen to. So if you get a chance, again, you can grab the feed at www.ontherecordpodcast.com. Um, So now I'm going to play for you the interview with Rob Barrett, General Manager of LA Times Interactive. It is uh, just under 50 minutes. As always, we are going to play it for you entirely uncut. Um, If you have suggestions for guests you'd like to hear on the show, we welcome them, Um, uh, either um, uh, as uh, a comment posted to the blog at uh, www.ontherecordpodcast.com Uh, We also have set up a comments line. Um, If you are in the U.S., uh, you don't need to dial the plus one. If you are out of the U.S., you would have to dial plus one, 206-202-4805. And uh, those audio comments uh, could uh, be heard on the show uh, at a later date. Um, So now, without any any further ado, I'd like to play for you the interview with uh, Rob Barrett uh, after
0: this. Don't be left behind. Get the latest online PR tools and services from iPressroom. Powerful, easy to use, available on demand. Extend your sphere of influence online with iPressroom, tools for online media centers, virtual private pressrooms, RSS news feeds, podcasts, and more at www.ipressroom.com. iPressroom, always on, even when you're off. Uh, Rob, thanks for joining
1: us. Great to be here. Now, I, I've been trying to make this happen for a while, but I uh, originally when I approached you, uh, it was to discuss the Wikitorial experiment, and then you said, no, 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 oh, that's hang out and wait a while because we got some pretty cool stuff coming.
2: We have uh, actually been hard at work on a lot of uh, new product, and uh, the uh, the Wikitorial was, uh, I'd like to say, uh, uh, you know, uh, a, a distraction at the time we talked, but in fact, um, it, it very much fits uh, an intent in the mission of some things I think that we will do in the future and I'm happy to, to get into uh, uh, the story at the time. Um, initially the, the impulse to, uh, to run the Wikitorial came uh, out of a discussion with Mike uh, Kinsley and uh, the real impulse was not so much to, use, uh, to do something with Wiki as it was to have uh, an open source editorial experiment. So the ultimate, uh, uh, the idea being that uh, we'd like to run editorials in the Los Angeles Times and of course online, that we're the product of a group of people, whether it's uh, expansive enough to include any uh, interested member of the public or some subgroups who might uh, lend some expertise or other points of view. The idea being to expand um, expand our end product uh, uh, to, uh, to include people beyond the editorial board and, and to brand it as such. So we talked for uh, uh, a while about how to do this, and really, we admired Wiki. But one of the, the interests in, in using the software was that it was open source, and it would get us up and running fairly fast. We realized there would be some risk in that uh, if you consider um, uh, if you consider something content off subject, and certainly pornography, uh, uh, a risk. Um, we knew that we would have to have uh, people involved who would uh, who would. Help us police this, but the idea was not to uh, police uh, the content as much as to keep uh, keep the work on subject. Um, and so, obviously, uh, pornography and other uh, defacements were uh, were not serving the purpose of, of having the opinion uh, 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 and having having the debate uh, uh, progress. So, uh, at a certain point, there, I think. We um, we actually ended up uh, uh, talking with Jimbo Walls and who involved several other people and tried to keep it going. Um, it got to the point where uh, the the attacks came so fast and furious that it simply um, wasn't making a lot of sense to have white hats police uh, over that weekend. Um, but really, the intent uh, is to is to come back and um, have an open source editorial format and have something actually published in the Los Angeles Times that is the product of a of a broader uh, set of minds and, and uh, for
1: those uh, listeners who aren't familiar with uh, uh, what Rob's talking about, the experiment was a, a wiki based editorial I believe it was an editorial about the war in Iraq, fairly politically charged and readers of the LA Times were invited to come into the wiki and modify the editorial and what ultimately wound up happening was um, people started posting pornography to the wikitorial and they ultimately had to shut it down is that is that a fair characterization?
2: It's a fair characterization. I think that uh, that uh, we, uh, you know, again, the, the spirit of that is something we'd like to continue. It was not a decision on the part of LA Times management, and certainly mine or Mike's, to uh, to not have experiments like that. In fact, my my real regret is that we didn't come out uh, with something hosted either on latimes.com or on another site, for example. Uh, Jimbo Wall's site uh, that that got back in the saddle and did it right away. We simply had a lot going on here and had uh, other deadlines to meet. But I do expect that we will continue this in some form, and not just in an editorial uh, uh, opinion context, but uh, in terms of user-generated content.
1: Now I read period. I read two stories about the Wikitorial experiment, one in the LA Times and one in the New York Times. And the one in the New York Times speculated that perhaps it was not until a post um, appeared on Slashdot that uh, the uh, the hacking began. Is that true?
2: I wouldn't be the one to to draw a causal relationship between Slashdot and what happened. I can I can tell you you know what we know, and that is that. Uh, Uh, there is some risk when a a large established media company uh, tries to experiment. I think that there had been some postings on FlashDot that said essentially, hey, look at this. Uh, They're playing with Wiki. And around the same time, um, the the, the photos appeared on the site, and there clearly was a concerted effort uh, because the editorial page folks who were um, taking it down um, found that there would be several postings as soon as they'd done that. It simply was, uh, and, and I think that uh, that Michael Newman, who is uh, who works on the editorial page, uh, concluded that that uh, there was a causal relationship. There was an incitement to deface. There, you know, we don't know that it was someone uh, who was a, a uh, you know had visited Slashdot or not. It, it's not an unreasonable inferen- inference to. Uh, to Assume that maybe someone had seen that conversation or taken part in it and then participated in what happened uh, so on our server.
1: Let's take a step back for a minute and just sort of look down at the newspaper industry from 40,000 square feet. Obviously, it's a very troubled time in the newspaper business. We see news today that Knight Ritter is considering selling their newspaper chain. We see dwindling readership uh, with with print editions nationwide Um, Give us, from your standpoint, I mean, you are the guy at L.A. Times Interactive. You're the general manager. I would imagine your position there is strategically just critical to their existence at this point. I mean, given your perspective, what's going on and where are we headed?
2: I think we're we're certainly headed toward us, toward continued and more significant investment in online. Uh, And that, that, I think, speaks for Tribune as a whole. We are uh, currently uh, not, uh, we pulled back from uh, the the mode of launching uh, package by package, uh, week by week, because we're basically re-engineering the baseline of our site with a laser-like focus on usability. That's the hallmark of any successful online business, certainly all the Internet pure plays like Yahoo. And that kind of product development DNA has not generally been present in the online departments at newspapers. Certain companies like New York Times Digital, I think, have done a uh, uh, a pretty fair job of addressing usability concerns. And uh, and of course, the reason one of the reasons we care is that um, not only do you build a, a lawyer a loyal user base, you build a loyal local user base, uh, which is something of of uh, relevance and concern to, uh, to any newspaper company. But uh, we generate more impressions per user with more engagement really uh it's 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 about uh consumer behavior at this point, and all the other concerns in an organization like a newspaper uh really tend to uh sometimes obscure the goal of providing a um a valuable and habitual consumer experience that said uh that's not antithetical uh in my opinion and certainly the opinion of the rest of the management at the l a Times to the public service mission. in fact, uh, a lot of the discussion internally is um, how to make uh, our news coverage more accessible. We find that um, in every category, whether it's hard or soft, national, local, international, or soft subjects like travel and, and entertainment, that some of the issues historically with our, with our site uh, and, and, and similar sites have, have been uh, uh, the user's inability to find the content that they want. Uh, there's clearly additional content they want. We know that we're going to be part of the chain of content consumption on the web will be one of of uh, two to ten sites that people generally visit every day, and uh, we have to, in a way, um, restructure the product around the consumer experience and break the newspaper paradigm. And we're working to do that quite quickly. And I think very creatively.
1: So I'd like to relay an experience I had uh, about finding content at latimes.com, uh, and this goes back to Super Bowl, and maybe there's been some changes to the search functionality at latimes.com. But there was a well-known restaurant in uh, Venice Beach. They had a a dish called kick-ass chili. That was the name of the dish on the recipe. They went out of business, and I wanted to make chili, and I said to my wife, hey, where can I get this recipe? She said, oh, the LA Times published it. I got to tell you, Rob, I literally spent a couple of hours on the LA Times trying to find it, using the advanced search features, using Boolean queries, everything I could. I did not find it. Then I turned over to Factiva, because I have an account because of the business that I'm in, and I started doing some Boolean queries there, and I did come up with it. It was under the headline, Hot Stuff. And I thought to myself, hmm, how does a newspaper business uh, that has all this wonderful content in their archives that could be monetized and made accessible to readers on an ongoing basis address the issue of puns and headlines and uh, headlines written to, to tease the uh, the reader who may be flipping pages and looking at photos and, and, and glancing when, when what you're trying to do online is encourage someone to click through.
2: So, right. Well, that's as good as an example as any of, I think, some of the inherent problems in the way Uh, many, if not most, newspaper sites are structured, including the current LAtimes.com. One of the reasons why I'm uh, uh, hesitant to, or was, uh, I think, when we we talked earlier, hesitant to to get into what we're doing is that uh, I'm actually working with a fairly new team here to re-engineer the site from the ground up. And some of those issues extend across uh, Tribune, common uh, relationships with uh, database companies uh, that uh, essentially were Formed with an archive mindset uh, and, and not a user, and the end user experience in mind. So I think what we tend to find uh, at LATimes.com and, and, and other newspaper sites uh, is a series of business development relationships that have accrued over the years that end up with a less than optimal user experience. Uh, and you've got a very simple proposition just like looking up the information that you wanted and you'll have an archive librarian's data dump mentality. And what we've actually found, and this is the site that uh, uh, I'm doing several rounds of improvements. One is a, is a baseline usability improvement for uh, very early next year, and a second round of improvements will be an entirely new product. Um, both of these are geared around uh, thinking about uh, uh, differentiation, thinking about re-architecting the information we produce, and fundamentally changing, actually, some of the kinds of information the Los Angeles Times produces. We have sat for hours as uh, uh, through usability labs with many people who've been through experiences just like the one you described. And for every one of those problems that you identify, you have to go through and change the deep structure of the site, whether it's on the front end, whether it's the back end, whether it's a new database relationship. And in my case, doing, doing that in a way that includes changing several sites uh, owned by Tribune at the same time. Uh, So each one of these things can be quite complicated. It requires a product development staff that uh, has traditionally not existed in force in newspapers. And uh, so we're in the position of doing a lot of this work for months under the hood uh, before we can roll it out. But I'm on a January time frame to uh, address a lot of that in much of the site and then to keep rolling out improvements in the rest of the year. Now, one of Uh, the things
1: I see... uh uh, the New York Times, and I, I don't want to pick on LA Times because I see these problems at a lot of newspaper websites. But, uh, you know, the, the headline on a print newspaper communicates a lot based on the width and based on the capitalization and based on the placement. And it's not very often that I see that mirrored on the website. You know, uh, often the um, format and layout of uh, editorial content on the homepage at NewYorkTimes.com is so different than what I see on the front page of the paper that it almost appears as though what the web editors think is the most important news is totally
2: different than what the print editors think. And what's your uh, what's your impression of of that when you see the difference?
1: Well, on one hand, I'm wondering, hmm, maybe uh, because the web editors uh, have more immediate. A more immediate ability to adjust and, and manipulate that information, maybe uh, what they're giving me now is more current than what's on my doorstep. Right. But but then, uh, if you really look at it, like I I remember during the war in Iraq, there were a lot of um, you know full mast masthead wide uh, all cap headlines in uh, you know both in all three national dailies. I saw stuff, and usually when you went to the website, you know it was you didn't get the That was not communicated.
2: A sense of hierarchy and importance and immediacy. And,
1: you know, it may be subjective, but certainly uh, one of the things, me as a reader, one of the things I look to uh, 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 a news organization to do is interpret the news and put it in context and tell me what's most important. And uh, I I don't get that as as transparently online as I do in print.
2: It's a great question. I mean, actually, um, we're not, uh, in a certain way... um, we're not talking about. Uh, I think what some of the real news is, at least at latimes.com, in terms of a fundamental approach, and it certainly encompasses things like how to present the news online uh, in 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 context and do, I think, um, and, and improve on the experience in print when timeliness matters. And and pardon me if this answer seems a bit uh, indirect, but um, I'll give you an example. Um, a recent development here is that uh... we've got uh, a new senior staff including an executive editor online position uh, a guy named Jill Sapel and uh... he is on the master of A la times uh... and that'll be going up any day now and the job description is very different from uh... historically what the editor of la times dot com has done the prior model was repurpose the paper and have an extended news desk, which is uh, similar to the continuous news desk model in, in many other papers, including, for example, Washington Post, that updates the news all day. There's no reason why that news can't be presented in the best possible context with the right emphasis, uh, uh, the right size headlines when something's uh, uh, particularly immediate or important. Uh, however, all you were doing was getting the morning newspaper updated in a certain way, and often by, um, by journalists who were thinking about uh, thinking in an AP rewrite mentality, uh, they weren't really thinking about or empowered to deal with presentation. For example, if you think about the traditional newspaper uh, rewrite model, paragraph eight might get the update at a certain point. It's not the most important thing. Whereas uh, the news in, uh, in on other sites and and certainly uh, sites like Yahoo News do this uh, fairly effectively. It, the news is chunked out and presented in 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 the, in the uh, in formats that that invite users to step in, uh, there are numerous routes into getting it. And um, so, what we had essentially was uh, was an updating mentality, without thinking about the format, without thinking about how to emphasize certain things. And uh, and this came up, say, in coverage. You know, it's not a rep, it's it's a as good an example as any. We were, uh, the LA Times had five people covering the uh, Michael Jackson verdict and they had people rewriting. They were all feeding to the web, but you were getting what looked like a rewritten AP story. You couldn't tell what was new. And instead, we started doing things in blog format. We had uh, we communicated the size of the, the reporting staff in the field, and we had them all convi- uh, contributing individual chunks. You could see what was new minute by minute. That required a change in physical format to the story page of the site. It's these one-offs that, uh, over time, tend to become the new formats. Uh, but still, uh, you really need different people involved in that mix uh, uh, in addition to the editors. you need people who are good designers, you need people who work in product development to think about again usability, how do people consume information, how to convey that? Uh, you know historically in paper, the news hole has been fairly well defined. It's been a matter of point size. Now we're talking about uh, you know stepping through several pages, being able to redesign that pathway on the fly uh, to give people more uh, access to more kinds of uh, uh, information about a given story, whether it's text or multimedia. Um, just a complete the thought, the, the new uh, uh, paradigm that we have here is is based on integration. We would have um, a separate group of hard news folks updating the hard news in the LA Times. The new editor is empowered to go to any desk at the LA Times and have them work in web time. The features, desk, uh, counter in the case of LA Times, travel. Anytime there's a story that needs to be uh, executed in web time, we have a combination of web journalists and traditional journalists working on that, and, uh, and we're able to create something uh, that, will, that will essentially happen on the web and probably then be repurposed in the paper the next day. One thing we did this summer to drive the point home and to open up some eyes was to have senior editors from uh, LA Times print guest edit the website for two weeks at a time. And the first time it happened, literally within the first five minutes, the page one editor of the LA Times was sitting in and saw that a uh, a tip uh, uh, surfaced that Oliver Stone might direct a documentary on 9/11. Um, entertainment is certainly a strategic focus for LA Times in print and online. He called to, uh, to the, uh, the the desk and said, "Can we get something on this now?" And uh, and and the answer was, "Well, we're working on the next day story and something for the weekend, so no." so he was actually frustrated, essentially, by his own people. The conversation on Oliver Stone potentially directing a 9-11 documentary happened in the next three hours on the web, and the LA Times wasn't a part of it. So that was the kind of lesson that was taken to heart by these various editors, and it's the seed of change in the entire organization going forward, the full commitment from uh, uh, the executive editor, um, Dean Baquet, and everyone else, and now an online editor who reports directly to him and is working closely with uh, his own staff and with the print staff to, to merge it into one organization.
1: But I guess the, the real challenge, I mean, as we saw with Hurricane Katrina or uh, the tsunami, uh, so many uh, uh, major news events with the initial casualty reports coming from the blogosphere, you know, this um, sort of disparate uh, community of uh, hobbyists and, uh, and individuals filing these reports on blogs, Uh, almost, uh, in many ways, more comprehensively, maybe not more factually, maybe not uh, more unbiased, but more comprehensively than the AP. You know, I can remember the time when, you know, you couldn't watch The Wire. You know, if you wanted to get The Wire, you had to get The LA Times, and you would look at The Wire reports but now i can go on the internet and i can get access to the wire so i mean we're almost seeing it seems to me the commoditization of news and if that's the case how do you how do you how do you regain the lost readership as a newspaper
2: well i think there there are, there are several ways and and again um lost readership is uh it depends you know technically you know where our our readership is 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 large and growing on the internet and and is uh is stable at LA times in in print um although of course you know over time there have been circulation losses uh, across the industry um the paper's actually doing fairly uh, decently this year but but at the larger question I I absolutely do agree that uh, you know the news generally is a commodity and the mistake that news organizations um, have been making and and in, in many many cases still are is to uh, deny that uh, d- deny that fact and uh, I, even a great example internally um, that prompted discussion here there were a series of fires that uh, um, were in uh, North LA County um, and one of, our, one of our means of differentiation is actually to embrace local news in the local market that the LA Times, as a local and national paper, has not always uh, embraced as energetically as it could. Um, where were people getting their news? Multiple sources. Um, this was actually a national story because um, it was essentially fi- a fire advancing on Hollywood. Uh, so there was interest then. Um, that day, uh, they, the top headline on the Drudge Report was, Fire in Burbank. And on LATimes.com, the headline was uh, uh, essentially a very general headline about fires. It wasn't the immediate uh, visceral point that everybody wanted to know. You found that on Drudge. You didn't find it on LATimes.com. The answer from the editor who was monitoring this was technically it wasn't in Burbank, so we shouldn't put it up. We don't want to have something in error. Drudge is a uh, site that has uh, different, perhaps sometimes lower or more imprecise standards. Uh, I don't think that was the right answer. The answer was that there was a conversation happening um, uh, uh, between multiple news producers and uh, and online users uh, who are getting information from multiple sources. We have to assume that people are going to get uh, uh, sources from the blogosphere, from other sites, from traditional news sites. Every single online news producer and editor uh, should be monitoring that entire conversation and understanding where we can contribute the next beat. In that case, if we are actually going to have reporters on site uh, and can offer something more credible than what was repeated in a blog, and I and and I don't think it is always necessarily that we have the more credible information, we should hit the next beat in the conversation. In that case, was it in Burbank or not? People want to know. We should essentially uh, we should essentially clear up the matter because we have a reporting staff whom we pay to be on site. And that I don't see what we do or what the blogs do as antithetical to what we do. I see it as something cooperative. There's a rumor mill. Sometimes the rumor mill gets to the news first. We have to take a position in which we acknowledge what's being said, come out, and and talk about why what we have might be. Um, you know, why what we have actually is factual because we have a staff on site, and, and then open ourselves up to comments from people who might challenge it.
1: So I was uh, watching Charlie Rose last week. Arthur Salzberger came on. Charlie grilled him about the whole Judith Miller fiasco. But right. after that subsided, they got to talking about um, the loss of uh, print news readership, and uh, Charlie asked him... Um, you know how, how fast are these online revenue sources going to come? And uh, and Salzberger said this, and I wrote it down because I was so impressed with it. Um, he says, "quote But it's going to be user generated content as well, such as Time Select. We're going to have to move to a new place in this business. We're going to have to recognize that our old way of operating, which was for us to talk to you, is only half the equation now. We have to give you the option to talk back to us." And more importantly, to talk to your peers. And uh, so my question is, do you agree with that? And if so, how is the LA Times going to help? How is the LA Times going to start talking back to its readers and help its readers talk to
2: each other? I, I, I agree with it. And in fact, uh, the subject's been hashed over within the industry so much that it, it, it takes some effort to pick apart what's relevant to, say, a larger media company versus a um, uh, a grassroots initiative, um, although with venture funding like BackFence and, and what's been done at smaller newspapers, uh, uh, all of which has been quite interesting. Um, the Salisbury comment, I don't know how to relate to Time Select, and uh, I don't think they've been clear that user-generated content has been a part of, of Time Select, which, um, if anything, has been uh, antithetical to building that kind of a model. However, um, the the uh, relationship with About.com uh, is, v- is a very interesting possibility at New York Times. You know, they have, uh, I think, been very wise to keep the brand separate. But if you think about the uh, the access they have to um, volunteer experts in uh, hundreds and potentially thousands of niche categories, it does lay a very interesting foundation for user-generated content. The model that uh, I am interested in um, is, uh, is something that's not entirely unrelated, but it uh, depends on a couple of things. One, it depends on the LA Times following a local strategy, although not to the exclusion of some national verticals, and it also depends on integration of certain technology. Um, The the, the LA Times strategy is fundamentally different from New York Times in that uh, we are going to embrace the second largest local market in the country, uh, and if you consider what's happening in New York, we would like to uh, really set the model for, for local. It's an incredibly diverse, interesting, and rich market. It's huge in every way. It's uh, uh, geographically and psychographically complex. And uh, it would be impossible to run an online business without um, tapping into uh, user-generated content and providing a platform for people who live here to relate to each other. The The real issue is, of course, what's the role of a large media company in doing that when people can connect so easily to each other via the internet on a number of platforms? And uh, my uh, proposed answer to that is, um, one that involves positioning Craigslist uh, in LA as in elsewhere is actually a very efficient platform for people to connect and transact um, the information is either reliable or it's not but you accept a certain amount of imperfection in finding something out an aspect of Craigslist that I think is relevant is, is uh, a must watch for larger media companies is that um, it's not only a, a place to, to buy things it's actually in a certain way um, a place to find out what's going on and a place to find out where to go there are um, uh, essentially if you're moving to an area and want to find out about uh, uh, the school system uh, uh, there are places to uh, essentially get that information to throw up a question it's an informal aspect of the service um, other other services uh, on the Internet let you do that and of course people do this in a grassroots way um, now comes the uh, the LA Times, or another large media organization uh, that has really been uh, uh, built on a voice of God model. And uh, the, the space that we think is uh, quite interesting is, is based on where we can offer value to online users, to consumers in general, not, uh, not out of a sense of preserving our position or out of arrogance, but out of real service. For example, we have heavily invested in coverage of local schools and coverage of real estate. Um, we have great classifieds, ad- classified ads inventory, and combining that with platforms that let people communicate with each other uh, and and uh, and get that information is uh, is is, uh, is a proposition that people can't easily find. So they may go to an informal environment like a Craigslist uh, to get information in one way, but um, we uh, we feel that we can offer a combination of uh, journalists on the payroll non-journalists who have some kind of relationship with us and then uh, users uh, uh, users in the local area who can also voice their opinions all of these folks can interact and if we make a technology investment that um, that helps make order of this universe a little bit it's a different market position than a wild west free for all people may want to come to both and to clarify that a bit um, there's an interesting model in say the ebay power seller uh, the trusted seller model actually where how do you know whether to buy something from someone on eBay? If they have five stars, it means they have a long track record of fulfilling their obligations, not cheating people, et cetera. Um, there's a possibility for us to have regular contributors into areas that we, in which we invest resources, whether it's public schools, real estate, entertainment, local venues, all kinds of things, to invite people to participate regularly, perhaps on a pay model. And if they, uh, if they contribute information of value in the eyes of other users, uh... they've got publishing privileges uh... at a certain level where there essentially is no editor but the l.a times is providing that platform some combination of that and traditional journalism and several gray areas in between is a model that now does not exist in this market uh, it's being met partially by a number of businesses but there are certain areas of focus where we think a, a little bit more of an ordered universe might be of value to people and uh... And it, it works on a um... there are aspects that are addressed in part by a city search there are, um, there are aspects that are addressed by many, many small publications, and there's a certain level at which um, a large metro paper can bring a critical mass of people together and provide the right size platform for it to happen, and they won't find that anywhere else.
1: So now you guys, since we last spoke, have launched a number of initiatives at LADimes.com, I think fairly under the radar. I mean, I don't know that there's been a lot. Have they, are they soft launches at this point? The, the um, podcasts and, and all the actually, blogs? Well,
2: the, um, the really the only initiative uh, on that that, that uh, uh, formally launched is the award site called The Envelope. Uh, tell, tell us about
1: that, because that's going to track award season with blogs, right?
2: Yeah, the, the, the Envelope's interesting in a number of ways. All the other, we really haven't launched any formal initiative but that. We're launching an entire new website uh, early into next year, and that's really... Uh, 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 my focus. The Envelope is a significant precursor to doing that for us um, because it does a few things that um, certainly LATimes.com has never done before and the Los Angeles Times has never done. Um, Entertainment uh, is a strategic area for the L.A. Times uh, in the way that Entertainment business, right? Entertainment, well, entertainment business uh, The the positioning of you know the New York Times is essentially functioning as a national paper now. The Washington Post has significant national traffic because of its expertise in government policy and and national international news uh, tied to federal government. Um, in L.A., the uh, Times has always uh, covered the entertainment industry, but there are many ways in which it uh, uh, it could do more, and certainly online uh, could offer something uh, uh, incremental and. Uh, completely different than what it has done in the paper. The um, the envelope is an experiment in a in a very very focused version of that uh, on the model that um, focused uh, uh, online businesses tend to succeed better um, when you unless you're trying to uh, to uh, uh, have an omnibus site like Yahoo. Uh, in this case, though, we um, we decided to try a combination of folks who had been established on the internet, folks who weren't established yet, and folks who were at the LA Times, and uh, we thought uh, would have talent for um, an internet publication schedule and uh, an internet focus. So we broke some new ground internally by essentially opening up the editorial process um, and, and workflow to internet time. Uh, there is a different idea of who's edited and how. We have uh, uh, bloggers like Tom O'Neill from Gold Derby. He is not being edited by 27 uh, Copy editors. We have a general uh, uh, agreement about uh, about quality, about focus, uh, and a lot of trust in Tom. Uh, we have people who have not traditionally been associated with the Los Angeles Times appearing on television, uh, 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 promoting what they do on the site, um, and and generally, uh, it's an attempt, I think, to um, to deepen our coverage of entertainment industry. It's going to be a year-round site focusing on uh, all awards, shows, and festivals. Uh, and uh, and something that we intend to uh, to to evolve quite rapidly from year one to year two, uh, and uh, and in a way it, it's uh, it's unconstrained in many ways by um, uh, uh, some strictures we would have in providing content for the newspaper, but we believe we found a quality standard that works and that uh, lets the um, the editing process happen on a on a 24/7 schedule.
1: But Rob, it's it's one blog that will track uh award season starting at the Golden Globes and culminating at the Academy Awards? No. Or is it's it a actually, series of blogs, one for each actually, award show?
2: It's it's a it's a it's a fairly large site. It's got three main uh blogs. Um, G- give us the, the URL
1: is, so that we know where it is.
2: It's uh it's the URL is theenvelope.com. dot com. And uh so it's, it's uh, one, uh, together, theenvelope.com. It includes, actually, uh, contributors uh, who have uh, had an Internet presence uh, separately. There, it includes uh, Tom O'Neill, who has run a site called Gold Derby, and uh, that site has been uh, a favorite of uh, industry insiders for quite a while. Um, the uh, forums have uh, been very active, and, in fact, this was a a, a a great experiment for us. We wanted to see what kind of reaction there would be to uh, a paper like the Los Angeles Times uh, embracing and working with uh, what had been a very popular industry insider site, and the reaction has been overwhelmingly positive, and uh, I attribute that in part to Tom's talent, but also the fact that um, we're letting Tom be Tom. We're not changing him. We're actually hoping that the combination will make us both uh, uh, better in certain ways. Now, Uh, I notice...
1: I'm sorry. Now I know I'm going to tr- interrupt you a little bit because I, I do want sure. to cover some more stuff, and I know we're, you're going to get tired soon, and and so are our listeners. So I wa- I want to ask you about the podcasting. I see there are a total of seven podcasts here. I see a USC football podcast, a UCLA football podcast, a Lakers podcast. Columnist Pat Morrison has a podcast. Michael Hiltzik, who does Golden State, has a podcast. uh Travel Insider, and then Column One tell us what type of uh, action you guys are seeing on these podcasts right now what what kind of uh, listener base have you built up and uh, are you happy with uh, are, are, do you see them as, as successful
2: um, I, I mean to be honest with you I think that um, we're in a phase now where uh, I, I've opened it up to the editorial staff to experiment as they wish with podcasts the ambitions for podcasting here are, are quite high um, the, the, uh, there's really sort of a, there's a product developmentality we're, we're trying to embrace where we don't want to stifle experimentation short term but when we come out with podcasts for real, we're going to come out swinging and uh, the way I see it, um, we've actually been focused a bit more on, on blogs in a th- with a three-part strategy and I expect podcasts will probably follow that and that is that we, um, uh, we don't necessarily uh, repurpose LA Times talent uh, to to create blogs or podcasts. Uh, However, um, when uh, we believe we have the right person, we want to do it. But we're really opening up the talent pool to anyone who might be a great addition to to, uh, to our site.
1: And so how are the journalists responding? I mean... You know there's so many of these journalists that have been writing like in the calendar section are these yeah i I love them, but they're they're curmudgeons and they're cynical, and you know they hate everything and I gotta wonder how these old timers are responding with you now with the blogs and the podcasts I mean, are they interested, are they receptive, or are they resentful?
2: I think they're incredibly receptive, and in fact uh uh there has been um I think you know it's two thousand and five, so uh, the importance of the internet is uh, is, is evident to these folks. Um, there are some folks that have always had the intellectual curiosity, and others who develop the curiosity because they realize that uh, that um, that all these these uh, forms of media are incredibly popular, and once we get them engaged, they uh, they really uh, come around. But my point of view is that um, they can, you know, the overall atmosphere at the LA Times is incredibly supportive the executive editor of the paper could not be more supportive, you know, he gave us a masthead editor. We don't go beg. We don't simply repurpose the talent we have. We're going to develop programs to the market demand, to the audience demand, and people could jump on board or not. I see people actually being incredibly enthusiastic. Uh, If if there are curmudgeons among them, um, I, at this point, can't really remember who they are because we're just moving ahead. And, uh, and I think that what we'd like to do is actually have a, um, use the Internet to experiment uh, uh, in, in ways that might, um, might actually uh, uh, end up in the paper in some ways. Um, we're looking at certain you know, marquee blogs. We launched, uh, in addition to the ones in the envelope, we launched a Lakers blog, a travel blog, and a, and a Vegas blog lately. Um, I think that what we want to do is have dozens of them and, and a bit of a farm team approach and really open them up to different kinds of people who would never otherwise have contributed to L.A. Times. We want uh, uh, people who've never been journalists to do it. We want super fans in sports. And we're going to have uh, high standards, but, uh, um, but uh, very uh, open standards for, um, for bringing more people into the mix here. And some of those people could end up uh, you know, writing for the L.A. Times in print, and I consider that equal status.
1: Now, one of the things uh, that that is always a challenge uh, for for organizations who want to start using RSS to communicate is that you really have no control, ultimately, over the context with which that is communicated. And uh, I notice on the the podcast page, you know, you're serving up the raw RSS XML data, and uh, we've seen, at least uh, with a lot of bloggers and podcasters who want to measure their audience, uh, they're parsing that feed with either FeedBurner or one of these uh, third-party services that allows you to measure the audience. And I just wonder, like, I noticed, maybe it, maybe I missed it, but, like, I, I searched for the podcasts in iTunes and I didn't find them there.
2: Um, well, we're actually launching a whole new solution uh, uh, tied to FeedBurner imminently. I mean, I'll be honest with you, the focus on... I'm uh, uh, extremely interested and committed to... Um, uh, 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 the full program with podcasting and everything else. My my focus, uh, uh, my business focus now, is on fundamentally remaking our site, our product, and uh, and if I stopped and, uh, um, and 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 I'm talking about our our our, our position, uh, breaking a newspaper paradigm, fundamentally changing the site. And so again, while while there are what I consider to be uh, small steps uh, in, in podcasting along the way, I'd say that um, you know the real focus is look in January for a fundamentally re-architected site in which you can find what you're looking for and in which the search works, uh, and then a podcast page that is uh, re-architected around what we're offering rather than the incremental steps that you I got now. it. So,
1: so it's not a conscious decision not to um, not submit those. Okay, because a lot of times, you know, you wonder. I mean, certainly I have worked with organizations who basically, you know, won't allow you to put a one-click uh, subscribe to iTunes, subscribe via iTunes or subscribe via Yahoo Podcast uh, button because they have a corporate policy that says oh, we can't take all. anyone away from our site.
2: No, the uh, the the mentality here is—I mean, I'm trying to g- give a directional sense in that um, I and the staff that I have here have not been here that long. We're we're remaking everything, but in terms of philosophical outlook, and and I think I can speak for for Tribune here as well. It's, uh, it's, 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 it's quite liberal there. We simply are going to um, design things uh, to uh, audience uh, demand. Um, I, I think that it would be counterproductive for us to um, have a walled garden mentality. We want to provide great content. We want to encourage uh, uh, the public to help create that content. We want it available everywhere. And uh, and I don't really see any compromises in our future on that count.
1: But certainly, if you're looking to amass eyeballs to sell to advertisers, you know, if that feed is parsed and displayed in a third-party site without the ads, what good does it do? I mean, I, you know, that, I I see it's a very real challenge for publishers.
2: I, I think you essentially have to strike the right balance because uh, you know, if if the model, uh, I'd certainly have a business issue if if the consumption patterns patterns evolved to uh, uh, ninety percent consumption uh, you know w- without any any means to serve ads but the fact is that um, we we need also to be relevant we need to get our content out there and uh, the combination of some of our content might uh, might reside on our site but um, some of its going to be commoditized and spread out and uh, and that's why again I think the LA Times learned a a, a short-term lesson with uh, having walled off its calendar live site um, the information was really uh close to commodity. You know, one might argue that the LA Times movie re- movie reviews were uh better or in some way than what what one might get elsewhere, but ultimately entertainment information in LA was a commodity and people um, uh, uh you know could get it from multiple sources. It didn't make sense to have a pay model there in terms of the content we're teeing up now. Uh certainly the short and mid-range outlook is distributed and I don't really think that uh um, will ever be successful in um, expecting people to uh, to go through a wall to get it. Um, hopefully, we'll combine things uh, on our site, and sites in certain ways that we will have those visits.
1: So recently, I'm sure you're aware of the New York Times uh, uh, stopped offering free access to their uh, to their columnists like Maureen Dowd and Tom Friedman and Nicholas Kristof and Paul Krugman. All these people who are so right. popular. Um, and you, know, you have to now pay a fee to be able to access uh, those columns on the website do you think that's a mistake that they've done that or do you think that's smart?
2: Well, I, I certainly respect their, uh, uh, their uh, uh, attempt to experiment and uh, I think they've done a great job in building a core audience and that gives them the, um, the latitude to try something like this I don't think that was the case for the LA Times when it uh, walled off its entertainment content uh, two years ago um, that said um they're doing it at a time when uh I think uh they're uh you know it it's it may be a great proposition to someone who's already inclined to uh subscribe to the paper um The numbers they've reported are uh are are nice, but ultimately uh, uh no I don't think it's something that certainly we would we would have done um and uh it clear, it clearly does diminish the distribution. Uh, and uh, of the columnist, whether it diminishes the the columnist' influence, is uh, uh, for someone else to debate. Um, it's not necessarily uh, uh, a business strategy that I agree with right now.
1: With respect to the podcasting, what, how do you generate revenue with podcasts if you're a, if you're a newspaper publisher?
2: Well, there there are a number of ways, but I think you know we certainly L.A. Times we're uh, at a stage where. Um, we're much more interested in offering uh, uh, offering things via podcast uh, to generate interest and an audience, and uh, certainly we can get yeah, the audience size while uh, I, I think uh, the entire phenomenon is incredibly significant. Um, you know if we start layering ads in, uh, we might make a little bit of money um, but but really, the purpose of it is to is to give people the content. Um, but clearly, you know will be ad formats that are sustainable in it but it isn't necessary for us to make uh, every single set we can along the way to building an audience. Um, Our our general, uh, I think, approach to to adding advertising and, in fact, um, uh, subscriber uh, fees to anything is build a good product, um, let people sign up for it. Some of it may be incremental to the core experience. Don't charge for things that are commodities. And layer advertising into something like podcasts. When uh, when it's when it's established, when it's popular, when people think uh, it's of high enough quality to uh, to warrant uh, sitting through an ad uh, 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 as part of the experience. If it's great, people will come regardless of the ads. If it's not great, they won't.
1: Rob, I've got to tell you, I've spoken to a lot of people about these subjects, but this has been the most informative and enjoyable interview I have done yet. So thank uh, well, you very much. I've really uh, yeah. enjoyed it. I enjoyed talking with you. It's a great, great interview, and uh, thanks so much for taking the time to do it.
0: You're welcome. You've been listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, where reporters and journalists go on the record about how they use the web to cover the news. For the latest trends, tips, and tactics on how the web impacts corporate reputations, subscribe to our RSS News Feed or visit us online at www.ipressroom.com.